Welcome into this bonus edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm Zane Hopin, joined by Chris Cartman. And today, before Arizona State basketball opens up its 2017-2018 season, we're going to talk a little bit more about it. We've we've gotten a little bit into it. We're going to release more season preview-like content going into this as the season begins. But uh, the Sun Devils open this Friday against Idaho State at 8 p.m. here in Tempe, and uh, they went 3-0 in exhibition play. Obviously, a lot of question marks in those games. But, uh, Chris, just from those three games, what were some of your initial observations? Uh, I think the biggest surprise probably was was uh, Remy Martin's readiness to play at a high level. Uh, just, I just got a chance to see him in AAU ball, high school ball, and, and felt like he had great energy, uh, jitterbug in the open court with the basketball, good passer in space, uh, true point guard. I didn't know that he would have the ability to shoot the ball as well as he showed in their second exhibition game, which you know we I wasn't attended attending in San Diego, but um, it seems to have be like very well rounded. I feel like his competitiveness was actually better than the senior starters. Um, you just saw like in the first exhibition game in particular that went to double overtime. The guys were kind of going through the motions. Trey Holder, Cody Justice, Shannon Evans, and that's what enabled that game to be close and and uh, end up in overtime in the first place. And and um, we just didn't really see that from Remy Martin. He just had like a certain energy level, but his skill was was far along. So I think that was pretty impressive. Um, Romello White being suspended for two of the first three games uh, in, in consideration of. My, my opinion that he's probably the key guy on the team this year to watch because they don't have anybody else that's really going to be a post scorer uh, and and as athletically dynamic around the basket, posterior defense and all that stuff. So um, that doesn't exactly bode well because you know he didn't play last year because of academics coming in. Then he has to sit out the first two games in exhibition or two of the first three games in exhibition. I heard he's probably going to miss a season opener due to the same issue which apparently occurred last season while he was sitting out and it's not something that just happened new or recently I guess I should say but um, but he had a double-double in the one uh, exhibition game he did play in at San Diego and um, I also think like the pecking order of the bench is starting to really kind of become clear as well. And and going back to Remy Martin, I mean, I, I watched a few of his high school games and, you know, some of the things that really jumped out at me were, you know, good thing Bobby Hurley's this guy's coach, you know, and not even in a bad way. It's just a lot of the times you see the shorter, high energy guys like that and, you know, they come into the D1 level and they're turnover prone and they're out of control running yeah. all over the place. And, you know, it's the exact opposite. And so, you know, I know you've you've been in talks with people who have been saying he's much farther along than they thought he would be, but you know, how much farther along is he than you expected? I guess uh, a fair amount. I, I thought, okay, here's a guy who's going to be able to maybe come in and play five, ten minutes a game, you know, just off the bench and, and give Shannon Evans and, and Trey Holder a little bit of a breather. Shannon and, and Trey are still going to end up playing thirty plus minutes, maybe, you know, as much as 34, 35 minutes a game. And just from the exhibition, it was like, hey, Remy Martin might be like as good or close to as good 
as either of those guys on any given night. You know, maybe not, you know, regularly as good as them, but there's going to be some games where probably he has it going more than the other guys. And that presents some interesting challenges for Bobby Hurley in terms of like how he approaches that. And, um, and also uh, their, their, uh, their team is very perimeter heavy in terms of their personnel. And so what do you do with your lineup when that's the case? Like, like, are they going to go to like a four guard lineup or something? Um, you know, what, what, what kind of combinations do you put on the floor between Martin and Evans and, and Holder and Cody Justice and um, Kamani Lawrence is a big wing, you know? So I, I feel like th- what, what this probably lends itself to is more uh, uh, lineups that have Lawrence or Mitchell at the four in a smaller brand of basketball. Yes. <clears throat> I mean, we, we just discussed this, the, the preseason schedule, way less travel. Huh. I, mean, I mean, four, four road games. Go through it. Four, yeah. So you've got Idaho state at home, San Diego state at home, uh, NAU at home, UC Irvine at home. And then, uh, Kansas state uh, that they have that continental tire invitational in Las Vegas, which will be two games. And then, uh, San Francisco at home, and then you've got St. John's in L.A., Kansas at Kansas, and then you close with Vanderbilt, Longwood, and uh, Pacific all at home. I mean, you, you take that compared to last year where they're not only playing on the road, but a lot of tough games. I mean, Kentucky and Purdue, obviously everyone, including especially Bobby Hurley, remembers how those go, those went. But, I mean, how important is that? You know, especially with a team where, you know, one of the things that Bobby didn't do a lot last year was sub. And now you have this depth, you know, probably it's the best problem he's had since he's come to ASU, a, ro- a rotation that he'll actually be able to use come conference play. And, and this really seems like a great opportunity for him to finally figure it out. Well, it, you could look at this two ways. The first way is he has a lot more that he can do. And so therefore it advantages ASU in, in, in some respects. But I also look at this as a, as a possibility, the first real possibility for him to actually have some mistakes because he there's no mistakes to be made the last couple of years. Like, you know who you're playing, you know how many minutes that they're going to be getting and there's no bench and you know, style wise you, you know, the last couple of years, if you played uh, a aggressive defensive style and more half court, you're going to get guys in foul trouble. You're going to have guys more tired. That's not really sustainable from a week to week basis. They had to just go out there and just basically play chuck it up ball and, and, you know, just leave their stars on the court and not really get, you know, too, you know, into it defensively, you know, for fear of having guys getting in in all kinds of foul problems. This year is is not like that at all. Um, You know, they're not the deepest team, obviously, but what do you do with your backcourt? And, 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 you know, how do you best utilize, Kamani Lawrence and and Mickey Mitchell and do you go with bigger lineups where you play Vitaly Scheibel at the four some and what do you do with the Quan Lake um, you know these are actual kind of you know decisions that they have to make who starts you know it is are you going to go with Mickey Mitchell as a starter are you going to go with uh, uh, Trey Holder I mean not Trey Holder uh, uh, Cody Justice as a starter. 
um, you know, Kamani Lawrence. You play two of those three guys, and and then what do you do offensively, structurally with with them as a team, and and their rotations and all those things. So, it to me, it's an opportunity to evaluate Hurley in a way that we really, you know, couldn't in the last couple of years, and so that that. It's 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 definitely their most talented team. It's definitely the team that should do the best in terms of a record, and yet it's also the first team where there's actually an opportunity for for us to really, you know, get a feel for him. Because let's face it, their shot selection last year was really poor at times, and especially with their seniors, their now seniors. Do you tolerate that as much when you have more depth and you have more? You know different ways that you can win basketball games than you didn't have last year. There's no post scorer and you know all that. So uh, all those things are curious to me. I wanted since you brought up all these all these uh, the non conference schedule. They have 13 games. You, you 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 named all of them. How many of those are games that should be competitive? Could be losses because obviously they should never lose to Idaho State, Northern Arizona. UC Irvine's a good low major, but it's a low major nonetheless. They should they should win that game at home. Uh, you have San Francisco, Longwood, Pacific. That's six games out of their thirteen non conference games that are like they have to be wins, right? Yeah. So if you look at their other games, San Diego State, Kansas State, Xavier or George Washington, St. John's, Kansas, and Vanderbilt. Like if you look at those. What do you think they have to do there? Do they have to win like half of those games to for this to be a successful non-conference? Do you have to go uh, if you go is let's say you go nine and four? Is that good enough? Eight and five? Eight and five is probably not good enough. Yeah, probably not. I mean, San Diego State is is always tough to evaluate. I mean, you know, they haven't recruited as well in the last couple of years, but they just be, they beat up on USC in a scrimmage. Yeah, like beat up on USC. I, I think that. by thirty points. Yeah, and USC's a you know <laughs> top ten caliber team. Yeah, so they're tough. Kansas State. I mean, they're always coached well. Big Twelve usually find their way into the tournament in the last couple of years. I mean, if they win that game, they'll play Xavier, who mm-hmm. who will be a top. I mean, top twenty five, top twenty five, maybe even like a five. Yeah, like a top five seed in the tournament coming uh-huh. into the year. St. John's. You know, everybody kind of mocks St. John's for being the laughing stock of the Big East the last couple of years, but Mullen's done a good job recruiting. They've got some really good guys. They could they could beat you. The game's a neutral site. Mm-hmm. And Kansas is Probably Kansas is yeah. Kansas. And and you know Vanderbilt struggled the last couple of years. They've lost a lot of guys to the league and haven't really picked it back up. Uh-huh. But and that's so that's another winnable game, especially being at home. So I mean, really, the there's three yeah like you mentioned three four five games you should be afraid of maybe i mean the one in kansas that you're really feeling like a really true underdog though yeah the key thing here is asu wants to put itself in position to where if it goes like 10 and 8 in the pac-12 and wins the first game of the pac-12 tournament that it has enough wins from its non-conference to have a good resume in terms of how it's how it's perceived, and that doesn't happen if you if you go like eight and five or whatever in the non-conference, they're going to have to probably get you know at least nine and four, maybe ten and three. Ten and three is good because then if you go if you win ten games in conference, you get to that twenty number. You win a game in the in the tournament if your strength of schedule is pretty good. That's fine. One of the things that I think they should be concerned about, Zane. 
Like if I'm this coaching staff at ASU, one of the things I'm concerned about is players not appreciating the importance of winning every game that should be a win in November and December, and then they lose to a UC Irvine, which is actually completely possible. Um, you know, or they they lose to you know it could be you know maybe they lose to San Francisco or some crazy thing happens. It's not like it's a game that you you know if they play as poorly as they played in their first exhibition game, they'll lose some of these games. You know, or if everything goes wrong for them in the 50-50 games and you lose to Kansas. So you lose to Kansas, you lose to St. John's, you lose to Vanderbilt, you lose to Kansas State. Well, now, you, you know, now you're, you know, now it's a problem. They, they have to give themselves more margin for error in March based upon how they play in November and December. And these guys, I'm not sure if the leadership is there because they haven't done it before. Like Shannon Evans is the only guy who's played in the tournament. Well, I guess Zion Cheatham, right? Mm. But he can't play this year, and and um, and Rob Edwards did the Cleveland State make the tournament? I'm not sure, but maybe Bragg, Bragg did. Oh, Carl Bragg, right? So guys, who, guys who haven't played, but you know, when you're not able to, I mean, guys who can't play, when you're not able to play, you know, there's that's a that that matters. But I just, I'm not sure if you know, because even 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 when Shannon Evans went to the tournament with Buffalo. He did it winning a conference tournament, and that was the only thing that mattered was winning the conference mm-hmm. tournament to them. The only they, way in. They were not getting in otherwise. It didn't matter what happened really in November and December. And so I'm not sure if these guys really fully understand and appreciate how much of an edge they have to bring on a daily basis early in the season. And I, I, I foresee a possibility in which they're really you know regretting having lost a game to somebody that they're better than come in March mm. and it's just hard to have that perspective well that's the advantage of playing at home a bunch too I mean they're yeah. barely traveling like we mentioned and but and remember last was it last year that they just went all over the map yeah Bahamas like, and New York and, and Florida yeah Bahamas Florida and New York yeah in the non-conference I mean those guys were gas and they're you're playing Kentucky and Purdue and, yeah. and there's another tough one in there uh-huh. I can't so this this schedule Creighton right Creighton yes. yeah so this, this schedule actually strikes a pretty good balance competitively um, well, and, and the other thing is, all those tough, those four or five tough games we mentioned, only one of them's at home. Yes, you got San Diego State at home, and then yes. you have Kansas State, possibly Xavier, St. John's, and Kansas all on the road. The thing that I've noticed is what really hurts your strength of schedule and can and affect your your RPI is when you play too many of the two hundred and up RPI teams, but but when you play these big West schools or big sky schools that are actually decent, you can kind of avoid that. Like San Francisco will probably end up in the one hundreds and, and San Diego state obviously is going to be good enough. UC Irvine is going to be no worse than, than, than the hundreds. Um, so they really only have a few games like Longwood is obviously a, a bad game and Idaho state's a bad team and, and they will be lower. But, but I think, you know, the, the when they've really struggled with their RPI, it's when they're 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 non-conference. They've had like four or five games like that where they've been in the two hundreds mm-hmm. or three hundreds, and it doesn't look like it. So I think they they get credit for scheduling uh, uh, having a schedule that doesn't that's not too far flung, and yet it's competitive enough to where it's not going to look bad on a you know on a balance sheet when you're when you're evaluating that come tournament time. So. Mm-hmm. And, well, and another thing to go with that is you're not leaving it up to this team that you beat 
to like by the end of the year be like, oh, that was actually a bad win. We yeah. thought they were going to be good. They ended up being bad or bad and good. That, which that's a good point. It's they like, actually cost ASU the the only time that any uh, team in the Pac-12 has gone twelve and six and not made the tournament. Twelve and six in the Pac-12 not made the tournament was ASU under Sendak in a season in which they thought they were going to have a pretty good schedule in the non-conference, and it ended up being really bad. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, if, if you look at these, you know, you're establishing, yeah, we're not playing the toughest non-conference schedule in the country, but at the same time, I mean, St. John, there's two teams on here we really have question marks about, and that's St. John's and Vanderbilt. Yeah. I mean, the SEC's loaded this year, and, mm-hmm. and the Big East is loaded this year, but, you know, you never know what can happen, obviously. Yeah, ASU played LSU that year, and they thought LSU was going to be good because it was coming off a tournament appearance, and it, it bottomed out under uh, under uh, Trent, uh, what's his name? Oh, guy yeah. who coached at Stanford. Drawing yeah. a blank right now, but yeah. there, but it, it, Trent Anderson drew drew a blank, drew it, drew. <laughs> <laughs> he bottomed out under him, and uh, and that ended up being like a, a game that looked bad. So we'll have that's a good point. Like maybe, you know, one of these teams end up getting uh, becoming a doormat in their in their conference. Because mm. it's not it's not like you're setting the bar low. Mm-hmm. Per se, but it's it's just making sure that you have the least surprises come Trent you know, Johnson come you know bubble season where you're evaluating teams and it's like teams projections are way off. It's like you you pretty much know what you're going to get in terms of RPI and, and ranking with this schedule. Yeah, and there's a, there is a possibility for St. John's you know to end up with quite a quite a bit worse RPI than you expected, or you know maybe Kansas State somehow you know falters or whatever, but. Vanderbilt, but I don't think you can really fault what they've done in terms of putting the schedule together. Anything you're looking for in uh, in this Friday's season opener? Well, uh, I think I think competitiveness and good rotations defensively. You know, are they getting are they getting deflections, fifty fifty balls? Are they winning the rebounds that they should? Um, is it defensive integrity? Do they have enough post area presence um, on the defensive side? And then offensively, you know, the caliber of the sh- of shot selection. Is the ball not sticking and yet the floor being spaced properly? And then how much are they really going to be able to get from some of the ancillary important pieces? You know, um, Ramon Villa played five minutes in the last exhibition game, and we were already knew that he was like the last guy probably on the bench. But you know, there was they played a walk on nine minutes. So when Austin Witherell's playing nine minutes, Ramon Villa's playing five minutes in exhibition. That's a problem. I want to see what I want to see what Daquan Lake and uh, and Vitali Scheibel bring because they're you know. You're going to have games where Romello White's in foul trouble, or you just need somebody else to, you know, help him in the post. And what's that? What what is that going to look like? Who's going to be able to really do that effectively? You know, does it hurt, does it take too much of your offense off the floor when he's out of the game? Defensively, you know, I'm not sure. So, and then is Remy Martin going to continue to push? And what does Bobby Hurley elect to do with that? You know, when, when you don't have Mickey Mitchell able to play until the Kansas game. I think it's his first game back. That makes it really kind of easy in terms of, okay, you got like nine guys, and Ramon Villa is your ninth guy. Not not hard. You got eight other guys. Daquan Lake plays your eight minutes. 
or 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 Vitaly Scheibel, depending on who you know. One of those guys is seven, one's eight, and you know you got Remy Martin is your is your, is your guard. So I think that becomes pretty easy. But I do want to see like what those guys are going to be able to provide, and then and then probably I'm guessing you want to see like Kamani Lawrence like you know, how good is this kid really? Yeah, I mean they haven't had a wing really. Not, I'm not going to say wing talent, but just a a prototypical six seven wing player like him since since never never yeah no it's been it's been a really long time. Um, you know they they. Like they, Donnell Knight was a highly regarded kid coming out of uh, the Phoenix area under Rob Evans. He was uh, back when they had the the Nike camp, that was like the most prestigious camp in the summer. He actually won MVP and then he ended up kind of being a bust. Um, but uh, but no, they haven't had a bigger bodied kid like this. He actually reminds me. You'll probably hate this, but he reminds me. I think I said this to you. He, he reminds me of Nick Young. Hmm. When Nick Young was at USC, not the guy that he later became <laughs> in the NBA. Um, uh, yeah, more of a mid-range scorer off the bounce, really composed. Um, you know, could score at the rim. You know, smart, heady. You know, d- does a lot of different things. Um, I think he's going to be really good. But, uh, but yeah, you got to see. Like, you know, w- w- the other thing is probably even if this team makes a tournament. It's not like a team that's going to go deep in the tournament, right? Right. So you kind of want to see what does it look like with Romello White, Kamani Lawrence, Remy Martin, and then for your imagination, you're thinking about okay, what happens when they add Rob Edwards, Island Cheatham, Dort, Dort, Carlton Bragg, Mickey Mitchell too, Mitchell. Yeah, what happened? What like what happens? Like, can they really be better or even much better? The, the year after and the other thing Zane uh, ASU fans have kind of unrealistic expectations at times when it comes to ASU basketball and so what happens if this team doesn't make the tournament this year which I think is at least 50-50 then you have three years of, of, of Bobby Hurley with no tournament and then you're going into year four where a lot of fans are going to be like huh if you don't make the tournament this year you know, so so already looking ahead and thinking about how there could be a pressure element that's added after this year, and how that affects recruiting and everything else if they don't make the tournament this year. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of what I'm just as I kind of map out what this season looks like. Those are kind of the things I'm thinking about. Yeah. All right. You've got any parting words? Uh, we're gonna miss a. We're not gonna miss a season yeah. opener. <laughs> no, uh, we're going to LA on Friday, so uh, that game Friday night will uh, we won't be there for. But um, but I I will we'll, you know so many games being in Tempe. Well, I think we'll get a really good feel for this team by the time conference play rolls around. There you go. There's just some of the things to look for as this season tips off on Friday. But for now, thanks for listening.